Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Also find us on Facebook at Lakes, Woods, and Irons and Podcast One. Great spot for Minnesota podcasts. That brought you away in part by uh, Maury's. Uh, stop in for lunch at uh, the Mobile Gallery in, Mor- uh, in Brainerd. Great lobster rolls, fish tacos, motley as well. And also Mills Ford, your hometown dealer since 1922. Chris Foley with me, Chris. Uh, Busy week. Everybody gets, it seems, uh, more fired up when there's majors around, at least uh, golf fans like you and I. So we come out of another one over the weekend and uh, pretty extraordinary uh, golf. You know, I've seen pictures. You've gone many times, Chris, and uh, it's never been that sunny in your photos. Yeah. You know, I, I've had awfully good luck with the weather <laughs> over the years over there, but uh well, they're, they're, they're having a heat wave like we are here. It's, uh, you know, there are not too many open championships where you can say the temperature was uh, really very little wind all week. Uh, temperatures in the mid-80s yeah. and, uh, and sunshine. So it's um, no rain, no wind, uh, kind of a benign weather for the championship. Yeah, what do the Scots say? Nay, nay wind, nay golf. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that was quite a performance by uh, young Mr. Morikawa, and uh, he's just putting his stamp on the game, isn't he, Chris? Well, it's it's pretty phenomenal what he's accomplished in uh, you know a very short period of time. Wins his first PGA cha- the first PGA Championship that he played in last year, which was the last major of the year last year due to all the changes with COVID, and then wins the season's final major this year and uh in between has won uh won a world golf championship event so uh pretty phenomenal start to a young career our instant success uh society we live in now he's the guy that's gonna you know win 15 majors when it was spieth four years ago and rory five or six years ago uh (laughs) they got to three and four real quick we'll see what uh, happens with colin morikawa but uh you watch those tournaments, it just brings to the forefront, at least in my mind, the quality of play around the world is just extraordinary, Chris. There's so many great golfers right now. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, uh, uh, you know, every era has a, a, you know, big handful of, of great players. It seems like we're in a great area era right now. Uh, there's a lot of parity though. There's no, there's no dominance. Um, uh, like right. there was 10 years ago when, when Tiger was kind of dominating. So it's, uh, um, there's just a lot of good play. And, um, Mark Harrow, man, he, he, he played extraordinarily really flawless golf on Sunday. Yeah. Would last 31 holes, maybe more than that without a bogey. So when you're not going backwards yeah, think, at all, you're kind of tough to catch. Oh, for sure. It's, uh, you know, most of the time it, if, 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 you know, he starts the day off with uh, two behind the leaders and, and gets out to a quick start and just never never let up on the gas pedal. And, and, you know, so many times the leaders back up a little bit and somebody, you know, catches them. But he uh, once he got the lead, he just played flawlessly. Smith had the opportunity, certainly made a couple bogeys early, and probably if he doesn't make those as good as he played down the stretch, he might have been the champion. But uh, uh, he's got to look back on a couple of those uh, two-foot and maybe an 18-inch putt uh, over the over the second and third day of the tournament and just think, 
Uh, I might have I might have let this one get away. Yeah, the la- the last two holes uh, on Saturday really hurt hurt Spieth bogeying both of those with with you know poor putting and uh, it, it would you know could have should have would have but it, it would have been interesting if you if you would have made those putts. He's in the last group rather than Morikara, and um, yeah, you just never know what's going to happen. But it, it could have been a totally different story. Um, Spieth and Usenhausen in the last group, and Morikara in the second group, second to last group. Um, but yeah, Spieth, you know, he he finished poorly, and then he didn't get off to a great start the first six holes. He was scrambling, and but then played pretty phenomenal golf coming in. Yeah, yeah. And Usti, uh, people kind of feel for him, but he did get uh, three top ten finishes in the majors and two uh, two top threes. So uh, that's not too bad. <laughs> no, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. We got uh, some nice guests coming up. We've got uh, Trip Bowden. Chris, he's got a new book out. He's a friend of the show, and uh, that'll be entertaining. Yeah, Trip's going to talk about his, his new book that he uh, did with Steve Scott, who was who lost in the uh, the amateur championship to Tiger Woods. It's a, it's a great story. It's a great story of sportsmanship and um, kind of how Steve Scott's career. So, um Looking forward to that interview. Then I'm going to sit down with our pal Glenn Hagberg, head golf professional over at Madden's, and uh, we'll get that one done too. And we'll talk a little Ryder Cup in our final segment. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Find us on Facebook at Lakes, Woods, and Irons and also Podcast One, Lakes, Woods, and Irons, and really where all your podcasts are found. That brought your way in part by Cragen's Legacy Courses. A lot going on at Cragen's and uh, more great golf in the future. Chris, very special guest, one of our, our good friends on the show, and I'll let you handle the introductions. Yeah, I want to want to welcome back to the show a good friend, uh, Trip Bowden. Trip is uh, the author of Freddie Me, Life Lessons from Freddie Bennett, uh, Augusta National's le- legendary caddy master, and was the first white caddy at Augusta National. We've had him on the show before talking about Freddie and me and some of his other books. And he just came out with a new book uh, recently with the co-author with Steve Scott. Hey, Tiger, you need to move your mark. Come to the show to trip. It's an honor to be back with y'all. I always enjoy being with you. You'll ask the best questions. I mean, I sure. give the best answers, but it's always a, <laughs> a wonder to uh, go, hmm, exactly what do I feel? And I'm not so sure, but yeah, it's great to be back. Well, trip, trip, it's great to have you back on the show. You know, it, in the past, your books have been uh, primarily, you know, kind of about yourself and your experiences in golf. And uh, your new book, uh, "Hey Tiger, You Need to Move Your Mark," is is, is about Steve Scott and his uh, loss in the in the U.S. Amateur Finals to Tiger. And t- tell us, how did that book come about, Trip? Oh, well, that's a great question. Uh, it came about by pure accident or god was smiling down steve had actually i met steve he's the uh, head pro for the outpost club and they always do the big pig pull at doc's house uh, on, on wheeler road in augusta georgia every tuesday uh, before masters or during masters week and i met him there and he actually interviewed me he's got a podcast with the silver club golfing society he actually interviewed me and then I don't know, six, eight months later, it was like around Christmas time. He asked me to come out to uh, Champions Retreat 
which is in Augusta, and it's fabulous. What a fabulous golf course. And the conditions are insane, and the food's phenomenal. And he said, come out and speak to my group. But it was for the, like the championship thing, I think it was. But he said, you know, I don't want you up on a podium. You know, just sit at the table, and we'll tell stories. And you tell your Augusta stories, your Freddie and me stories. And everybody in the group got a book of Freddie and me. And just chatting away and, you know, having some dinner and some beverages and having a good time. And I don't know what brought it up, but Steve, who was sitting next to me, he was at the head of the table. And he was talking about the USAM back in 96 when, as we all know, he lost the Tiger at the last minute, so to speak, in an amazing comeback by Tiger, which we've seen so many of those. And he just happens to mention that on the 34th hole, you know, Tiger, best Tiger to move his mark because it was in the way of his putt. And then as he's walking off the green in a different direction to his caddy, which was his, uh, Christy, which became his wife, she normally would be on the right-hand side. This time she was on the left-hand side. First time the whole week that she happened to be on that side. And he left me to look over his shoulder, and he told me he hadn't looked at Tiger all day long because he didn't want to get caught up in how good he was. And he just points. And you can actually see it. Um... There's a thing on YouTube that's called All Square that golf week of golf that I just put together. And you can see Steve pointing, like move it back. And he just casually said, Yeah, I got, you know, move it back. Like like I would say, Hey, pass me the butter at the dinner table. <laughs> and when he said that to me, in my head I went, Wait a minute. Because of the way the match stood at that point, you know, you're three up with two to play. If you say nothing, you win the U.S. Amateur. And Steve, he's a very humble guy. He said, well, I never really thought of it like that. But, yeah, I guess I would have. I went, whoa, wait a minute. You changed <laughs> history, bro. You reworked history. What a humble and great, phenomenal act of sportsmanship. And my just writing brain just exploded. And I said, i got to tell this story. And it, maybe a month later, I just called him up and said, I got to tell your story. I didn't really know Steve all that well, but we actually wrote it during the pandemic. And I know him better than his wife does, maybe. Except <laughs> in the biblical sense, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hell of a story. You know, Tripp, I, I remember that, that U.S. Amateur so vividly because I, I was uh, uh, I was in the, the second year of a, a head pro job. And that Sunday we had a, a event going on, so everybody was out on the golf course, and I got to watch most of the final that day when it when it came on TV, and you know it was pretty historically a significant day. You know, Tiger I think had won uh, 35 straight matches between the U.S. Junior Amateur and the U.S. Amateur. That's correct. And so th- th- this this was you know to win his 36 straight match a third u.s amateur which had never been done and potentially it was going to be tiger's last amateur event before before he turned pro and um you know steve scott at the end of 18 correct me if i'm wrong i think he had him down five down five down at the end of 18 holes in the 36 hole final is that right that's that's correct too so so and I don't think Tiger had ever been hardly even been down in a match, much less five down. So um, you know, it was, it was it, it, Tiger. It, Steve had, or Tiger got Steve back to square at about what thirteen or fourteen? Is that? Uh, I think I got to 
Last game, they, they, weren't, they didn't get back to square till, uh the 18th hole. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, so, but yeah, but so he, he, he say that about, I'm sorry, about, about Tiger being down, or never being down. He was never down in any of those uh, matches that led up to the final. But in every finals match, including his junior uh, amateur wins, he was always down. And they, I think the year before Steve uh, was Trip Keeney, or the year before that. Anyway, he was six down to him and came back. Yeah. And yeah. three yeah. down or something like that to Buddy Marucci. And yeah. after 18, just insane what he can do. Anyway, sorry, I'm sorry. That probably wasn't your question, but it just made me think. No, but I mean, it, it was a, it was an amazing day. And uh, it wasn't that Steve had played played poorly on the back it was just the, on the on the fourth nine it was that the tiger turned on tiger and was playing incredible but tiger uh, shot that, uh, sorry tiger shot 65 on the second 18 and steve shot 70 can you imagine being five <laughs> up with 18 to play you shoot 70 and you're gonna lose <laughs> yeah yeah and then crazily enough i don't know if uh i'm sure you recall if you saw it uh the putt he made on, I guess it would have been 15, the par five at Pumpkin Ridge, the 40-footer for Eagle. Steve was telling me he could easily three-putt this. Easily. And Steve had like a tap-in for birdie. So he's like, the match is over right here. Right. But, of course, that didn't happen. Tiger made that 40-footer. And even Phil Knight, who was there, and Phil Knight actually had a really nice quote, nice quote uh, which is on the cover of the book, about Steve's act of, act of sportsmanship. Said I've never seen that putt made in my life. And I've been out here for thirty years, and Tiger made it. Tiger being Tiger. And Tiger being Tiger, isn't that the truth? Wow. I I I think I can see you in some of these uh, chapter titles, uh, having read your other book, Strip, and it's kind of fun to. Uh, they all have that kind of fun imagination, but uh, I just got a copy of the book from Chris here, the, the just to to look at for the show. And uh, the space between, I thought I started to read that last night, and uh, kind of a cool title, and uh, and uh, an interesting, an interesting thought process having a ninety-minute break there in the match. Yeah, uh, interesting you say that because that's that's one of my favorite chapters. Certainly not one of my favorite titles. Uh, Dave Matthews Band. Yeah, <laughs> you may recall. Can I can I tell a quick Dave Matthews story? Yes. Okay, I'm uh, caddying at Augusta National and dating a lovely young lass uh, named Allison Chance, and she's going to Sweetbriar College up in Virginia. Uh, and it's all girls. So I'm like, hey, perfect school for me to go visit you. <laughs> and they have, like, one of the biggest endowments of any college in the world, which is crazy. So they get in these, you know, bands on the weekends, and they, they get, there's, there's no budget, basically. It's like a Gus National for girls, except it's school. And she said, well, come up, and, and um, so there's a dance, and then there's a, a band playing on Sunday uh, in the Dell, which was, you know, a salute kind of place. And I said, well, I guess I could take Monday off from caddying, so it was going to be on Sunday. So I'm there, and it's maybe 30, 40 people at the most. And there's this band, and they have two drummers, and they're fantastic, and the, and the band's fantastic. I'm thinking, what are they doing here? And... Allie tells me that, uh, that's what I called Allison Allie, that the lead singer dated a good friend of hers. I was like, oh, okay. So at the, at the break, they take a break, and, and uh, the lead singer and I have a couple of beers, and I'm thinking, dude, and I finally say it, you know, what are y'all doing here? I said, you're fantastic. 
you're incredible. He goes, ah, we're just trying to make it, man. You're trying to make it. And he said, you want a CD? I said, sure. And I pulled up my wallet. He says, no, I'll just take it. And it was Dave Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> you were right. He he was going places. <laughs> and it was still him. He was up there twitching, you know, with the feet jumping and everything. And, and he sang the Trippin' Billies and Satellites and all that. But he, he wouldn't even take my money for a CD. He said, just take it. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be with Dave Matthews. And then when he made it there, I went, oh, oh, shit. I drank beer with that guy. <laughs> But that was really cool. He was very humble. You've, you've always been a good identifier of talent, Trip. <laughs> Only to identify myself. <laughs> Trip, you know what, what was the question? Such a, such a big, such a big part of that day, uh, that final match was was uh, Steve's caddy, his now wife, Christy, and uh, t- tell us some of her story. Oh wow. Uh, it's actually in the, in the book where she talks about the uh, first time she met him, she actually didn't really meet him. Uh, it was on a golf course, and I'm blanking on the name of it. Uh, she was on the golf team at a school, high school, that was different than his. And he was a, pretty much an American badass, uh, no one player in Florida. It's not like Steve was a chump. In fact, when he played against Tiger in the USAM, he was the number two amateur in the, in the world. It wasn't like he was a clown, even though no one knew of him. No one knew his name because he was, wasn't Tiger. But... Uh, she says she sees him and checks him out and he's like well, that's a good looking dude and she says hello to him on the putting green and he goes hmm she's like really hmm <laughs> but turn out Steve was good friends with one of Chrissy's best friends and I'm blanking on her name sadly but they somehow worked a deal where they end up going to the mall together in Florida and she gets introduced to him properly and I think he's driving a red Miata or something like that, which is funny because it doesn't really seem to fit his personality. But and kind of one thing led to another, and next week this guy's pretty cool. And they're 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 crazy in love. They're a beautiful couple. We've got a great family, and and, and she's during the tournament proper, which is maybe what you're asking, is that she was so good about just getting him into the moment. And when he was struggling, she would tell him something like Nick Price. She, she says she can mimic any swing. And he would swing like Nick Price, which is kind of, you know, a little bit bowed and quick and getting back into to the realm. And he said he wouldn't have been anywhere near that if it wasn't for, for her. And I, think, I believe he shot 79-66 just to qualify for the uh, 96 USAM uh, match play. But the year before, this is kind of crazy. Uh, he loses to Buddy Marucci in the semifinals. And Buddy ends up going to the finals against Tiger and, and loses. There's a lot of stars aligning for all this to happen. Yeah, no kidding. It, you know, the the the, the U.S. Amateur is is really it's not a golf tournament; it's a marathon. And you know, to, yeah. to get to the finals, you, thirty-six holes of, of stroke play, and then then you've got uh, um, five matches or four matches plus a thirty-six hole final to get to to win. So. Just to, to yeah, you almost it's more of a a uh, sustaining yourself than than trying to win. So it's phenomenal just to get there. But you know, losing to Buddy Marucci, that that's one of the other all time great amateurs. You know, so no, oh, no question, Buddy's up there with the best of them. That's I mean, a, I mean, there's only one Bobby Jones, and then there's everyone else. But but yeah, it, it's uh, interesting you call it a marathon, Chris, because uh, there's there's a part in the book about I think it's like 
5,380 something participants or to try to get there. When you think about all the stages you go through and then, you know, finally you get to the, you qualify and that gets whittled down to 64 and the tour becomes number. I'm not very smart. 32. 32. I'm going to say 38. How am I doing? And then, <laughs> there, and then, then you're in the finals and that Steve Scott, he, uh, to back up a second, during our uh, writing of this book, which what I did was interview him and uh, on a recorder, digital recorder, and then I would you know put the headphones in and try to make him sound like Shakespeare, which he has a great memory, a phenomenal memory. It's amazing how the details in the book of what he remembers. It, it really is incredible. But just to get that far... And to do it twice in a row. And he said to me, which, because I kept thinking, God, no, man, you were five up and you shoot seven and you lose. And he said, you know, at the end of the day, trip, what that taught me was that you can win in life without winning. And I've won in life. He did the right thing. And I and I have asked this question to people, and I certainly hope I would have done it. But y'all both think about it. If you would have noticed... What Steve noticed, you know, Tiger didn't move his mark back. If he doesn't move it back, if you say nothing, you win the U.S. Amateur. Right. Would, would you Would you have said, hey, move that back? I mean, it wasn't like Tiger was Mr., you know, Happy Joe, and he wasn't your buddy. He told me Tiger never said a word to him except on the first tee, you know, nice to meet you, shook his hand, and that was it. Never said nice shot, never said F off, nothing. Spoke to him. Never even looked at him. So it's not like you're playing with a good guy. I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad guy, but... He ain't Mr. Friendly. So, you're going to tell Mr. Friendly to move his mark back? I don't know if I... I mean, I hope I would have done it because it's the right thing for the game. And that's what Steve talks about in the book. Doing the right thing and doing what's right for the sport. I mean, Bobby Jones would have done it. Ben Hogan? No one hell he would have done that. <laughs> Sam Smith have done it? Right. <laughs> I'm not sure Jay Nixon would have done it. it. Bruce Kepka wouldn't have done it. Hey, hey, DeChambeau, you lose. <laughs> But, but no, would you, would, if, I don't want to put you on the spot, but what would you what would you have done, if I may ask? I, well, I, I can tell you, if, if I would have been in the right frame of mind, I, I would have definitely done it. I think a lot of people wouldn't have had the – they would have been so into the moment, they wouldn't have even remembered that Tiger had changed his mark. But there's definitely a faction of players that would have not done it. And But, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the great uh, – there's a lot of great moments of sport, sportsmanship in golf, and that's one of the great things that that comes out in the game of golf is the gentleman aspect of it. Uh, but there, you know, that ranks up there with with Jack Nicklaus conceding to Tony Jacklin in the in the Ryder Cup, and and yeah, Bobby Jones, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, Bobby Jones uh, calling a penalty on him on himself when nobody saw the ball move and. You know, th those are great moments uh, in the game of golf and what separates the game from others. But, you know, it, w one of the cool things I remember in watching that was Steve, Steve Scott didn't even think about it. So it just tells you about the, the type of person he was. He just, as he's walking past, he notices that he, Tiger hasn't moved it. And he says, Tiger, don't forget to move your mark, you know. So pretty cool stuff. Yeah. I wonder if Tiger would have done the same thing. That's a good question. Hell no. <laughs> no pit, Tiger. If you're listening. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I don't think he would. I mean, that taught him to be a. It's actually in the book, um, you know, an assassin. I'm taking you down no matter what. 
and like I said, you know, I, I hope I would. I, I know I would do it. At least I think I would. But at this age, uh, just, I don't know if I would. As a young kid, maybe so, but his, his life has kind of beat me up like it's beating all of us up. It's like, <laughs> you're a wank. Uh-oh, you're going down. Yeah, yeah. And, and think how the, the lives that would have changed. And this is also kind of kind of wild and crazy to think about. As soon as he does that, or as soon as, sorry, Steve tells Tiger to move the mark back, and the Tigers are winning, and then what's it, a day or two later, he does the Nike commercial, Hello World. Right. And a few months after that, he wins his first you know, tournament on the tour, and then the Masters comes up, and he wins by, what, 12? Yeah. And Steve was there, too. And Steve said he saw him twice, and he never spoke to him. He wouldn't acknowledge him. Steve missed the cut, unfortunately. Kind of went and did a And actually, crazy enough, Steve became the number one amateur in the world in 97. But then he got the yips, and that's how he developed that claw putt thing and uh, there's so much to talk about if, if we want to go deeper into that but I just think what a when he said it to me it was just because that changed as I go back a bit him telling Tiger to move his mark back and then of course Tiger makes the putt it's like an 8 foot or something to gimme or maybe a 10 footer if he loses that way ain't no way in hell that Phil Knight who has a 40 million dollar contract in his pocket and a Montblanc pin to hand it to Tiger to sign, he's not going to give it to him then. If he loses like that, right? No way in hell. Not remembering and the rules. What his yeah. dad would have done to him, <laughs> or berated him. I mean, beat him senseless mentally. I don't know about physically. I don't know that part of things, but not, you know, he's hard on him. Yeah, yeah. And, and what kind of confidence would you, if you were in his shoes? I personally don't think I would have the confidence after that. Be questioning myself to lose on such a boneheaded mistake, right? So it's natural in the game, you move it back. It is an incredible story. I personally story. never experienced wow. that in my golfing life. I don't know if y'all have, where you tell someone to move their mark and they don't move it back. In, in that kind of environment. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a great story, and it's under undertold, I think, in the world of sports. I know sports pretty well, and uh, not really familiar with this. Uh, I guess I knew maybe it happened, but... Um, I didn't know. I sure hope people... Read the book and and uh, think, wow! Like you're saying, it could have, it would could have easily changed uh, changed a whole lot of lives in the world of golf, especially. Oh, I totally think it would. Well, actually, it it, uh, it was released June first of this year. Yeah. And like I said, we wrote during the pandemic, which was, I guess, a great time to write a book. It was, God, it was so weird. So so good to be back to somewhat normal. Uh, and it um, debuted at uh, it was number three on Kindle in golf. And number eight in the hardbacks for uh, golf books. Nice. It's exploded. I think I think everyone's bought a copy, but you too. <laughs> <laughs> I like to wait till after the interview. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, I'll get free ones. I need to send y'all. I, I know I sent y'all the uh, digital version, but I'll I'll send y'all some hardbacks. Just oh. don't just don't put them up, up on eBay. You know, if you have weeks, <laughs> no <weeks of> bucks. <laughs> Well, we'll sure look forward to getting it and reading it, reading that trip. Uh, where, where can where can people buy the book? Hey, Amazon and your favorite bookseller. What's what's the best way to purchase it? It's how the, well, if, if someone wants a, a personalized copy, meaning uh, you know, I will personalize it to whoever buys it and their name and everything and sign it. They can go on to uh, tripbowden.com. www.tripbowden.com, and I will ship it out right away. Trip. Awesome. Well, 
Rip. We always we always appreciate you coming on the show and and sharing your stories. And uh, look forward to having you back again soon. Thank y'all. It's an honor to be on the show, as always. Y'all ask great questions. Thank you, Trip. Have a great day. You too. Y'all take care. Be safe. That's author and, uh, I don't know, is he a tour? Trip Bowden. We love having him on. Terrific stories. And this is a good book. We want to put put it on your list. And it's a looks sounds like a fantastic read. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan, and find us on Facebook at Lakes, Woods, and Irons, and also Podcast One at Lakes, Woods, and Irons, brought to you away in part by Ernie's on Gull, the On Point Burger Company, a great addition to Ernie's, locally owned and globally loved. Have a, a good guest who we've had on the show many times, friend of the show, and a friend of Chris and myself, Glenn Hagberg, head golf professional at Madden's Golf Courses. Glennie, how you doing, man? Oh, man, I'm doing, I am doing just great. A, a little cooler day in the lakes area today, which is uh, a nice break from the warm summer that we've had so far. So I'm enjoying this along with all the other days that we've had. But today is it's nice to have a little break from the heat. It really is. The haze and the smoke have actually <laughs> taken the temperature down a little bit. Probably made yeah. br- breathing a little tougher for some, but it uh, has been a nice break in the in the weather for sure. Glenn, a great year, as you said. You know, it. it uh, we got so much golf left. It seems like we're later in the year because we had so much hot weather in June. That felt like July-August kind of weather. Uh, and really, uh, we've still got probably the best part of the season yet to come. Well, right, right. It's been a terrific year. I mean, all, all the way around from um, the golf courses being in terrific shape right, right away in the spring to uh, the the weather that we've had of course you know we could maybe use a little bit more rain but um you know it's been pretty timely here to uh keep things greened up um in july and uh and just some nice nice temperatures and then of course you know just from the business perspective um you know it's 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 fun it it, we have such a great area and 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 there's so many great things um to do from the resorts and the lakes and and all the golf courses and so you know it's it's fun to see um all of the facilities and and especially the golf courses just being utilized from the the driving ranges to the par three courses to um you know right on up to uh courses like the classic so you bet so many people involved it seems in the last couple years Glenn, you had a chance to kind of show off uh the classic which is uh, worth showing off believe me uh, you had a pro am here, so uh, guys come from uh, really all over for that. Let's talk about the how the pro am went, and it was just—I uh, mean, it just happened, correct? Yeah, just just wrapped up this past Sunday, Monday, and uh, you know, this is pro- especially from a competitive standpoint. Um, this is truly one of our, uh, you know, our big event of the year, and uh, it brings in uh, about a hundred players uh one pro three amateurs uh make up a four-person team so 25 teams and this was our second year hosting a pro-am for the minnesota section and so it it brings um you know players in from uh all over the state of minnesota and even into the dakotas a little bit and and really really some boy some good players i mean um, I, I enjoy just, you know, being out and being a part of it and, and interacting with everybody. And so, 
uh, I am, I guess you could say, kind of the honorary starter on the first tee. But I, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I'm the starter for the event both days um, to go through things with everybody and and I announce everybody as they're uh, heading off the first tee. And so that's fun, but, you know, gosh, a number of plus handicaps, a number of guys that have played college golf. And, uh, and then of course, on the professional standpoint, um, you know, J- Jake Worley and Bennett Smead are, are two of our golf professionals on staff. This is kind of their baby. And, and, uh, you know, they, they kind of see this thing through from start to finish. And so they, they've done a great job at, uh, recruiting some of the top professionals from around the state, Eric Rowland, um, Don Barry, to name a few. Jake, Jake and Bennett were both right in the mix. Uh, Jake finished fifth, and Bennett finished seventh. And then uh, Eric Childs, who's out of Chaska Town Course, who's you know certainly one of the top professional players in the state, uh, was our was our low pro in the event this year, shooting a two day total of two under par. So nice. How tough do you set it up, Glennie, for a tournament like that? Well, you know. If we set it up as hard as we could, it would make for a long round. So we don't we don't necessarily <laughs> take it there, but uh, we do like to try to have a good mix of of pins um, on the greens. We did we did a mow and a roll both days. So uh, of course the greens tend to you know get a little faster as the season goes along. But I I would have to say in a number of our members that played in the event uh, this last week that the greens were probably rolling as quick as they've been rolling all year. And uh, the course, the course showed really well. The uh, pros play from the black tees, so just you know, just under seven thousand yards. And then the uh, ams play from the blue tees, so uh, they're playing from just about sixty-five hundred yards. So it's it's uh, it's definitely a good test. Oh, you bet, absolutely. You got the uh, such a nice variety, Glenn, at uh, Madden's golf courses, the uh, East and the West course, and uh, classic, of course, uh, uh, one of the best courses in the country. And uh, kind of a nice variety for people to play. But I think as golfers know uh, this year, with it seems like so many more people getting involved in the game, that sometimes the uh, tee times can kind of be tough. But uh, you've got some, some, special, uh, some special ideas for people maybe to take advantage of. Well, that is certainly a nice thing about the number of holes that we have and the variety that we have at Madden's uh, with, with four different courses, 63 holes. Um, there's kind of a little something for everyone and, uh, and, you know, certainly the East course and the West course, uh, our original two eighteens are, are the courses where we've seen a real increase in play, um, over the last year, uh, especially this year, um, with, with the people that have entered the game or or maybe returned to the game or maybe just playing a little bit more and so uh those courses of course lend themselves to uh you know really being able to you know kind of play and and have success um there's not forced carry over um you know much water or hazard at all and and so you can um you know most people are able to make their way through the golf course pretty well, which, which, you know, I think, uh, those courses were built in an, in an era when golf was really growing. And I, and I think that that, uh, you know, there was a reason for that. It was because people could go out on the courses and, and have success. And, uh, you know, so sometimes our modern courses can punish us a little bit. Um, but anyways, you know, that's, that's where it's really been fun seeing those golf courses that, um, have stood the test of time, 
you know, really be utilized this year. And, um, and yeah, like you said, the nice, the nice thing about those courses is they set, they tend to be, uh, you know, not as much of an advanced decision. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of times, uh, while we've had a really, really nice season and a lot of really nice days on the courses, um, uh, the, the tee sheets fell, you know, day of, or, or the day before, or, you know, certainly a lot of our tee times come within 48 hours. So if you're looking ahead at the forecast for the weekend and you're thinking, you know, maybe, uh, maybe it's looking good for a round of golf, a uh, good chance that we will be able to, uh, accommodate you between, uh, the courses at Madden's and then, and then of course our social nine, uh, which is eight par threes and one par four is a, is a fun little track, which, um, you know, basically has nine, you'll use nine different clubs off the tees and, and it's little postage stamp greens, which, um, you know, really make it a fun challenge for better golfers. And, and it's a great spot for families. And of course it's a great spot for beginners and it's, and it's totally casual. There's, there's, there's no tee sheet for that golf course. You just, uh, you know, check in in the East golf shop and first come first serve and, Head out and have fun. So nice, nice. Then you got uh, the twilight rates and the breakfast club, Gunny. Let's talk about those. Yeah, some of those things that you know have been in in place uh, for a number of years, but of course, not everybody knows about them or thinks about them. But uh, every day, uh, the twilight rates are great at the courses during the summer. It's three o'clock, and uh, east and west, you can play after three o'clock for thirty six dollars with card. Um, the classic. Uh, which you know, peak season on a Saturday morning is $185 now, and uh, every day after three o'clock is 95 on the classic. So that's a nice opportunity to be able to get out and play the classic. Yeah, you bet. Um, so yeah. Then the Breakfast Club is that Mondays? Yeah, Monday mornings is a nice special for the East and the West courses. It's $45, and uh, you get breakfast in the Fairways Restaurant and 18 holes with cart. So, uh, again, normally the East course is $63, um, for most of the week. Uh, but Monday mornings is a nice little special there, uh, to come out and play some golf. If you're able to get out on a, on a weekday morning and then have a nice breakfast too. And, and, uh, yeah, probably the, the one other thing that, you know, is certainly underutilized as far as, uh, people in the local areas is, uh, uh, our airport driving range, the, yeah. you can you can use the price of your bucket at the airport range towards your green fees, and so you just save your receipt and you present that at the counter when you go to check in to pay, and and we deduct the price of the bucket off, and and you can you know we allow people to save up their receipts, so you know if you're a, if you're a person that's uh, you know working on improving your game this year and you want to go over and hit a few buckets and then, and then take it to the course. You can save up all those receipts and essentially uh, get your, earn yourself a free round. There you go. <laughs> uh, after, after a little bit. So you got some, a couple of uh, local fundraisers we want to talk about, Glenn. Those are always good for the community. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, you know, we enjoy being involved in the community and we enjoy when our facilities are able to, uh, you know, really provide a venue for, um, uh, some of our local uh, nonprofits to, um, uh, you know, run a successful fundraiser. So uh, this this upcoming Monday, we've got the uh, big hockey scramble for Brainerd Amateur Hockey Association, uh, NBA 
SF, uh, which is the rink. Both of those are 501c3 nonprofits, and we've really got a nice turnout for the hockey scramble. I think we're 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 down to five five teams available. I think we've got 30 teams that are signed up for the classic, so that's going to be a really nice turnout and and uh, a lot of alumni from Brainerd Hockey, which makes it a just a really nice reunion. And and uh, of course, the classic's going to be a treat for everyone playing that day and then uh we have a junior division on that that plays the social nine um at two o'clock on so monday july 26th and uh that um so that's going to be a fun event for you know a lot of the kids and active active uh players in brainerd hockey you know and of course uh you know a bunch of their buddies too sure that's fun and uh yeah a couple weeks after that we've got um st francis schools do a nice fundraiser uh, golf event out on the east on Thursday, August twelfth, um, and so and so that's a nice uh, organization to support in our community, and uh, and then looking down the road a little bit farther into September, the the Brainerd Sports Boosters, which you know of course provide uh, a great service to our uh, athletics in the Brainerd community, um, does their annual six 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 shootout. And uh, that one's always a little hard to get into because it's got such a good reputation. But, uh, you know, that's kind of full on with registration. And, and uh, for anybody that might be interested in learning about that one, um, all the information is listed on the Brainerd Sports Boosters website. So That's kind of a fun one with the 666 Ryder Cup feel to it and the Ryder Cup year. So that's going to be kind of additional fun this year, I think. Yeah, Absolutely. Glenn, I sure appreciate you taking the time, and we'll have you on again as the fall gets closer and talk about uh, some great opportunities in the fall as well. But, boy, uh, 63 holes, like you're saying, four courses, and uh, just great golf experience all over Madden's property. So thanks for taking the time, Glenn. Yeah, awesome. Thanks a lot, Mac. Glenn Agberg, head professional at Madden's, head golf professional, I should say. Uh, Stop and uh, book a tee time. And, boy, take advantage of the great golf at Madden's. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan. We're on Facebook as well at Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Stop there. Like our page if you would. And uh, send us a comment or two. We're we're open to uh, positive statements. Right, Chris? <laughs> Absolutely. And also on uh Podcast One, great landing spot for Minnesota Podcasts. You can find us there uh, with all the uh, previous uh, episodes as well. Uh, brought to you in part by Ernie's on Go, your on-point burger company, a great addition at Ernie's, locally owned and globally loved. Chris, uh, British Open in the books, last major of the year. They get them all in in a hurry, uh, about 100 days or so. I think they get all four majors done with because I, I thought I read there was 260-some days till the next major, so... Uh, next up is, uh, well, there's uh, FedEx Cup, but uh, Ryder Cup is not too far away, and that uh, always gets uh, everybody's, not only golf juices flowing, also kind of patriotic juices flowing. No, for sure. Yeah, Ryder Cup's right around the corner, and uh, both teams shaping up really strong. It's, you know, with the it being postponed last year, they've, they've got a little different selection process each team does, but... Uh, you know, looking at the standings right now, both both teams are. We it seems like the the U.S. always comes in, uh, you know, as the stronger team. But once once the competition starts, we all know that, uh, that can change and quickly. But uh, it, uh, we're about seventy days away. 
Yeah, this year it looks like the Americans kind of have the upper hand when you look at the top 20 or so players in the world. But um, the Europeans, they <laughs> they rise to the occasion maybe a little better than our boys do at the Ryder Cup in recent years. Yeah, it just sort of seems like, you know, they're, they're, they're standings right now. They've got John Rahm, Tommy Fleetwood, Troll Hatton, Matthew Fitzpatrick, the first four, which go off the, the European Ryder Cup point standings. And then they got world point standings, which is Rory McIlroy, Brent Weisenberger, Victor Perez, and Paul Casey, who's Paul Casey's had an incredible year. He has had a great year, yeah. Four, four captains picks, Robert McIntyre, Lots of time they'll just go down this list, but Robert McIntyre, he came off a great uh, finish in the Open Championship. Gino Mizzoni, Thomas Deary, and then number 12, Victor Hovland. Hovland has had a, a great season and won a couple weeks ago in, in uh, Denmark, I believe, and uh, you know had a pretty darn good Open Championship, so awful strong on that side. And then you know, our, our standings, we've got... Uh, they're using this year low low six point burners, and then they've got six captains picks. So we've got Colin Markarwood, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Koepka, Justin Thomas, and Xander Shoffley, the first six. And then the second six, Jordan Spieth, Patrick Reed, Harris English, yeah. Patrick Cantley, Daniel Berger, and Tony Finau. So both sides awfully good uh, uh, boards there. Phil's going to be lobbying probably with a major in his pocket. Yeah, it would. Um, Phil will be involved in, at some level, either as a uh, <laughs> right as a assistant captain or uh, as a player. Uh, he hasn't fared. He hasn't played very well since the PJ Championship. But uh, no, he sure hasn't. No, I uh, I'd always take Phil on my team if I could. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if he can do it one more time at fifty. It seems extraordinary that he. Even has an opportunity, but uh, yeah, that would be that would be fun. Closer to home, we got the 3M Championship this week too, Mac. Yeah, 3M coming up. That's and the field is uh, not bad. There was uh, well four Olympians, of course, for the United States, and then uh, a lot of the guys I think decided to play with it late in the season. They can get a few more FedEx points and maybe make their life a little easier once that uh, starts. Yeah, you know they've they've got a, a for for being the week after a major they. They've really got a, a nice field uh, comparatively. You know, you've got uh, uh, Dustin Johnson's playing, Louis Stelson is playing. Yeah. Um, Bubba Watson, well, he, he, who didn't play last week. You know, Robert McIntyre, Matthew Wolf, Ryan Moore, Finau, I think. Tony just Finau. Added. So yeah. it, it should be it should be a great weekend in the Twin Cities. Yeah, fantastic, good show, good showcase for golf and. Uh, Hopefully everything goes well at the Olympics. There's been some shaky, uh, shaky conversations going on over there about uh, even the future of this year's game. So hopefully that happens. We'll know as this airs on Saturday. I guess we'll have a pretty good idea. But they were even saying uh, last minute cancellations are possible, which seems extraordinary. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully that's not the case. We're uh, once again we're reminded this uh, this pandemic as much as we want it over isn't over yet. Chris, as hard as it is to believe, I uh, actually played 18 holes a couple times in the last week, which is uh, oh, nice, unbelievable. <laughs> we'll keep our voice down so I can maybe do that again soon. There you go, yes. <laughs> I need to come see you, though. You know where I'm at. 
I do. I'm I'm gonna come I'm gonna have you stand next to a green. <laughs> I'm gonna have a wedge in my hand and you're gonna help me. <laughs> All right, Chris. That sounds like, Great that sounds like a good plan. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Mac. That's Chris Foley. I'm Colin McDonald. You're listening to Lakes, Woods and Irons on thirteen eighty KLIZ.